As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Straight from the Source is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know wild ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I even had a couple buddies looking for Wild Blues tickets last weekend. They couldn't believe how expensive they were, even on the secondary markets, so I sent them to GameTime, and voila, they bought tickets a few hours before the game and got to watch a pretty exciting, albeit controversial, Wild Blues game. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Thanks for tuning in to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Very happy to be joined by Joe O'Donnell, the longtime voice of the Iowa Wild. Uh, Before that, the Houston Arrows. And before that, Joe, where? The Idaho Steelheads of the ECHL. Wow. You know the Wild, during the lockout, were supposed to play an exhibition game in Boise, and it would have been my only time ever in Idaho. Then the lockout happens, and I've still never stepped foot in that state. I was hoping that they would get an AHL franchise uh, with Seattle coming into the NHL. And I know they were close, but Palm Springs is Seattle's destination. I guess you can't argue with that. But Boise is a great spot. Uh, gave me an unbelievable opportunity back in 2005. Did a ton of radio and TV there. Hosted a daily talk show. I mean, it's just great experience. And they've got a great ownership group there. You know what amazes me about Palm Springs, though, is at the airport, though. Like, how are, like to get to Seattle, I mean, are there nonstops? Every, it just seems like that'd be an issue. Well, that's why I thought Boise made the most sense, because you could drive there if you had to. And it's like a 45-minute flight, if I remember correctly. Because we used to go Boise, Seattle, and then to Anchorage, uh-huh. play the old uh, Alaska Aces Wow, back in the day. So that, that was always a fun trip. So you're out in Anaheim right now. This is your... You're making tonight, this is going to come out on, on uh, what day is today, by the way? Tuesday. Tuesday. So on Wednesday, this podcast is going to come out. So you will have already made your NHL debut, not including the exhibition game last year in Des Moines. Um, you have, you've, I mean, thousands of hockey games at this point that you have called over your many, many years in this organization and before. Yet, are you nervous today? Well, let's hope I don't screw it up by the time everybody's listening. <laughs> I don't want to be some YouTube sensation in a wrong way, but... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I think I'll be a little bit nervous as we get closer to puck drop. 
I've been able to sleep okay last couple of days as it's sort of neared. You know, I've known for a few months now I was going to get this opportunity. I've known for maybe six weeks or so or eight weeks maybe what the games were actually, you know, what part of the schedule. Um, so I'm really excited. I've done over, you know, probably like 1,100 or so games professionally. So, uh, you know, and everybody I've talked to, either, you know, colleagues in the business or mentors or whatever, they're just like, be yourself. That's sort of my game plan. Um, I just hope that my sort of style and passion gets relayed uh, in this four-game stint. I already have my reassignment date back down to the minors, but this is a great <laughs> opportunity. I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, you have been called up. You don't need to clear waivers to go down there despite <laughs> yeah. your tenure. Um, but it is, I mean, it's so true. It's like, you know, I even tell people that when they're filling in for me as a writer, just write like you. Don't write like me. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of times that's a refreshing thing for somebody to either read somebody different or listen to somebody different. You've done many, many games. You can't suddenly step in and expect to call a game like Bob Kurtz with that voice, with the way he scores goals. You got to continue what you've been doing in Iowa and Houston and Idaho for as long as you have. Yeah, he's he's got an unbelievable voice, Bob. That's one thing I I don't feel like I was ever blessed with is that sort of um, you know radio, radio voice. <laughs> yeah, like those those dulcet tones. Um, I just try and be prepared as possible, and sort and and really just have that energy and passion. Let the game sort of sell itself and that's sort of how I've always handled it and so far so good. We're talking with Joe O'Donnell on Straight from the Source and you know first of all we appreciate you coming on this uh, four game 10 day trip because otherwise you know fallness would have been very unbearable um, and if you if you haven't known I, I'll, I'll let you off the hook yes, on that thank I can you. say it um, but uh, if you haven't if you didn't read my story earlier this uh, season in The Athletic Bob Kurtz is just he's starting to step back he says that he can't go on forever so he's asked to, to travel less uh, this year he's doing 13 fewer games Joe O'Donnell Kevin Fallness Anthony LaPanta even for one uh, Paul Allen and Jim Erickson I believe are all the guys that are going to be stepping in here um, for for Bob during those games and he's already enjoying his day Tom Reed showed me a picture today of him holding and reading to his grandkids so so it's pretty cool um, first of all how did you wind up on the California portion of the trip in the Arizona you definitely got the uh, the, the primo I got lucky yeah um, I think they they wanted to take a look at the Iowa Wild schedule obviously and they didn't want me to miss too many road games or any road games is my understanding because I do all the team travel for mm-hmm. Iowa so to uh, not have some of those logistics, I think, you know, they were maybe a little bit on edge about that. But I'll never complain about the spots that yeah. uh, they selected me for. Uh, really excited, especially with a long trip to kind of get into a routine here with the group. You know, I have my routine in the American Hockey League. I know where to be and when. I know all the cities and the hotels. This is a whole new uh, ball of wax for me. So um, I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the chance, and I'm looking to have a lot of fun. And you kind of you forget that. I mean, I walked into the Honda Center, and the first person I see was you, and you're just trying to figure out right, what what, <laughs> yeah. what floor did I hit here? Yeah, where where are the elevators? Yeah. Where's the where's the press room? Where's the press box? All that stuff. So, all new experience for me. I have been in the Shark Tank before because we played AHL games there against the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Staples Center. I was once upon a time. I uh, got to meet Bob Miller there. That was a huge thrill for me. And, um, yeah, but for as far as Honda Center and Anaheim goes and the barn in Glendale, uh, I guess I was there for a game maybe 10, 12 years ago, something like that, just taking it in from the stands. So. Who, who's doing the home games for you? Uh, Josh Fisher's going to fill in and oh, do nice. one. And, Former uh, PR guy there. Yeah, and Ben Gisselson from the Des Moines Bucks, who does a really nice job in the USHL with the Des Moines team. He's going to get uh, – we have a school day game on Thursday, which I couldn't be happier to miss – um, and then he's going to do the uh, one of the weekend games as well. It will be weird. I'll, I'll be honest, missing Iowa Wild games. I mean, I've, I've seen all but two 
of the franchise's you know 500 plus games, and that was because um, our youngest child was born uh, the second season there, like early October. So I missed a couple games. Other than that, I've I haven't missed a beat with Iowa, um, and pretty much the only staff member they can claim that. Now, in terms of stepping in here too, there has to be a comfort though that you probably know a lot of these guys, not just from from watching wild games, but from them being in Iowa. And even before that, I mean, just, just to see Miko Koivu come up to you with a big smile today, you forget how long you have been around this organization that you called games when Miko, who's about to hit a thousand games with the same organization played for the Houston arrows. Well, so it's funny because Miko and I, like I've seen him a ton of times around the organization, you know, and I've never really said anything to him because it's Miko Koivu, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, recently he came up to me I think it was over uh, at the start of training camp and he came up and he put his hand out and you know obviously I knew who he was and I introduced myself he said I know who you are like I know you've been around like so you know Zach Parisi came down that that bit of game uh, that conditioning game a couple years ago so I, I got to know him a little bit I think honestly though the oldest player I know from broadcasting games is probably Spurgeon mm-hmm. because he was there in 2010 so I started in 08 with Houston Kevin Constantine mm-hmm. Uh, and that group, but a lot of those players moved on. But it was sort of that Scandella, Spurgeon, Falk, like that decor, Nate Prosser, those guys when we went to the uh, finals yeah. in 2011. Um, those were a lot of the guys that I've kind of seen move on throughout their careers here. But uh, Spurgeon's probably the oldest during the lockout year. I had the pleasure of calling games with Zucker in the lineup, Brodeen in the lineup. Granny. Granny, Larson, Johan mm-hmm. Larson, who's having a heck of a career now, it appears, in Buffalo. So. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys I've seen probably two thirds of the roster, either Iowa or Houston, I either called their first pro game or, uh, at some point along the way, got to see him play live. How about Darcy Kemper this season? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to name him too. I mean, he was I don't know, 19 years old coming out of the Western hockey league. I remember doing an interview with him in our old practice land, uh, practice ring in Sugarland, Texas, like a video board piece or whatever. And I just remember afterwards being like, this is the type of kid that you bring home to mom and dad. Yeah. He seemed like such a nice kid. He was so young. He was like, you know, just super nice, cordial, uh, very unassuming. And he's, you know, sort of had his ups and downs, like a lot of players, like a lot of young goaltenders. Uh, but his numbers this year are outstanding. And I know like Kevin Weeks the other day on the NHL Network, and I saw on Twitter, he thinks that Ronta and Kemper might be one of the best duos in the entire league. It's crazy. Um, and uh, we, call, we used to call him Mr. Smiley in uh, Minnesota because he's always, uh, yeah. always smiling. Uh, Ryan Carter calls you Bubba, by the way. Yeah, well, that's a John Torchetti thing. Okay. Called you Bubba? Well, Torch called everybody Bubba. Yeah. So, like, if he, it, it still has permeated through the Iowa Wild, you know, from Houston to Iowa, our staff. Uh, Alex Stalock, though, quick story here, he hated Bubba. <laughs> like, the year he was in Iowa, he hated it so much that he, he literally insisted – that we go with Budsy. <laughs> so anytime I text or I see Budsy, it's Al Staylock, and that's all he calls me to is Budsy. So, but yeah, Karts was there, and obviously the the Bubba had carried on well after John Torchetti left the organization. It was just yeah. with that that Eastern accent, Bubba, Bubba, yeah. you know, and it was just uh, it's infectious. If I see Staylock before the game tonight, I will try not yeah. to look him in the eyes and call him Bubba. I once did that. <laughs> Backstrom had this thing where he did the slow walk, and and I we used to always joke that you couldn't look him in the eyes. And one day I did in Colorado, and I joked about it on Twitter. He gave up seven in like two periods, <laughs> and uh, he was pulled. Yeah, the jinx. So, uh, can't can't do that. You've got to be a little road weary right now. I mean, if I remember this, you've been on the road forever. It started in Tucson and ended in Rockford. right? Well, it started in Winnipeg. Okay. Um, this will actually be when this trip wraps up. It'll be eleven straight road games that I've worked seven wow. with the Iowa Wild. We had two in Winnipeg, 
We came home for a couple days. Two in Tucson, came home for a day and a half. Then bust to Grand Rapids, bust to Milwaukee, bust to Rockford. Got back at 3 in the morning on Sunday. Uh, did some laundry, repacked, hung with the family for a bit. My parents happened to be in town, which was nice uh, for the weekend. So I got to see them for a few hours and then uh, drove up to St. Paul on Monday morning. And you have three children, so this yep. is probably not very easy. Three boys, yeah. My yeah. wife's a, she's a trooper, to say the least. Wow. Um, you look a lot uh, younger than you probably are then. I'll be 40 in January. That is crazy. Uh, but I've always looked younger. I mean, I feel I look way older now than even if you'd seen me 10 years ago, which mm-hmm. you might have actually <laughs> been with the organization now for a dozen years. But um, I was getting ID'd at the bar for, mm-hmm. it felt like forever. <laughs> when, you, when you look at that Iowa Wild team, Joe, yeah. I mean, uh, they, they, you know, they've gotten off to a heck of a start this year. I don't think anybody expected it because they lost guys like Cal O'Reilly and Matt Reed yeah. and and, uh, and Andrew Hammond who, yeah. who brought them to the Prosser second round last year. Prosser was a big piece Prosser, of the playoff yeah. run. Uh, what what is doing it? Because they they're, they're still not they don't have a ton of prospects down there. So I mean, is this a veteran type of thing? Guys like you know Rao and and uh, you know some of the other guys there, yeah. Bitten and and uh, Dumont and I would point to a couple things. I would point to the experience gained last year. Mm-hmm. The guys know how to win, and Coach Army has told me. Several times this year that you know the team fell behind, and I think it's first four or five games of the year trailing one nothing. That didn't happen all of last year, so they were in those sort of early holes, and there was no panic on the bench. It was sort of that persistence, wanting to rally, wanting to win. So I feel like the group that's back from last year, the Sam Anises of the world, uh, some of the defensemen, you know, five of the six defensemen uh, were slated to be back at the start of the year, and then Susie makes the big club. So you end up with basically four of your returning six blue liners from last year. So that returning group knows how to win. They know what it takes. That's huge. And the other thing, Mike, is the team speed. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Really? I've never seen a faster team in Iowa. I haven't seen a team in the Wild have played through the first 11 games or whatever it's been down in the AHL level that's been faster. Uh, and then there's some good depth, you know, really would be sort of the third thing. So when there has been a call-up or an injury, uh, the fact that this team's been able to just sort of plug guys in and not miss a beat's been really impressive. Luke Johnson was supposed yeah. to be the team's number one center. He got hurt in the last minute of the last practice before the opener. Awful. He's been out since, and the team has one regulation loss in November. So. And they're playing without Mason I mean, Shaw. I mean, I mean the whole season yeah. into November. Yep. So, and Mason yeah. Shaw looks like early January maybe? Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, mm-hmm. He's been skating. Uh, Keaton Thompson uh, blocked a shot and and had to miss a few weeks now with a, with a hand injury, so to speak, and uh, he's skating. So, I mean, you could get Johnson, Thompson, and Shaw back over the next six weeks and be a really good hockey mm-hmm. team. Tell me about uh, Sam Annis. Wild fans are always up up here enthralled by him. They want to give, you know, they, they they pray that one day he gets a chance. I'm sort of in that same boat. You know, you just, you like to see uh, rewards to players yeah. like him, all-time leading scorer in Iowa Wild history. Such a great human being. Yep. I got to do a really fun feature on him. Uh, back uh, during your playoff run last year. Uh, uh, tell me about just uh, him as a player and him as a person down at that level. As a person, you'll meet nobody nicer. Mm-hmm. He's a great kid. His parents are unbelievable people. Uh, they travel a lot on the road, so I get to see them. I know they always tune into the broadcasts. Um, and so they're, you know, they've been some folks that I've sort of grown to know and, and, uh, and really just support over time. Like Sam's mom has gone through so much, battling breast cancer multiple times. He's just, he's been through a lot as a kid, but he, he, often doesn't let it affect him, you know, as, as best to his ability. Uh, on the ice, there's nobody more gifted with the puck on their stick. He's a wizard on the power play, and he's just pretty darn effective when it comes to, you know, shooting that thing and, and picking his spots. I mean, he's 
He's really talented offensively. Obviously, he's, he's a bit undersized. He's been that way his whole life. And I think there's some areas of his game defensively that I'm sure the coaches would tell you, you know, he's got to do better at X, Y, Z. Uh, but certainly, if if Minnesota needs a guy that can fill a void on the power play, that can score some goals, that can set guys up, I mean, he, he is skill set-wise as good as anybody in the American Hockey League. Right shot. I, I remember it's funny. I don't know why uh... – but, you know, I've, I've just always enjoyed watching him play. And last year he scored a breakaway goal in a playoff game and I almost jumped out of the press box. Yeah. Just, you know, it was kind of – you just root for a kid like that. Yep. Um, let me ask you about a couple of the other prospects. Um, you know, one one guy that I that had a really, really, really good camp for the Wild is Will Bitten. He's very young. Um, on their top line, the Iowa Wild, does he have a shot, do you think, to play at the next level? I think he does. It might not be this year, but it's mm-hmm. coming. And, um, you know, one thing, Coach Armu hasn't been as thrilled with him this year. In fact, I asked him about, you know, Benton's game. Maybe it was on this Midwestern portion of the trip, so just about a week ago. And he said he needs to be a, more of a direct player, A to B. And, um, and so what he said was he needs to get back to that sort of, that sort of game. If he does that, his skating ability is is NHL ready. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some compete to him. He's going to get a little bigger and stronger over time. He's going to he's going to be more mature. I think he's only 21 years of age or whatever it is. So he's such a young kid still. But you're right. From when they acquired him for Gustav Olsen, you know, basically last October, so 13 months ago, nobody knew really what they were getting. I don't think for him to have the impact he did on that team last year in the Calder Cup playoff run. And to be sort of that speedy first line right winger right now, uh, I, I'd say that he certainly has a chance at some point in the near future to get a chance in the NHL. Brennan Minnell. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, his numbers offensively right now are ridiculous for a defenseman. I didn't even realize this at the time as he was doing it last year, but he ended up finishing second in the league in assists for for a blue liner. He was second or third in the league in amongst defensemen and scoring over the weekend for this season at the AHL level. Um, he adds a lot offensively. He makes the power play go at times. He joins the rush at the right times. He has that offensive sort of prowess for the game that not a lot of guys have. In fact, again, just over the weekend, I asked Tim Army about Matt Barkowski and Brendan Manell. They've been the Iowa top D pairing. They're playing about 25, 27 minutes a night. Like they're logging Ryan Suter type ice time, mm-hmm. playing in every situation. And he raved about how they complement each other um, and Manel's offensive upside, Barkowski's ability to shut down the rush and, and gap up on some of the skill guys we see in the American Hockey League. So they've been a real nice pair. And Manel certainly is a kid that, you know, a Woodbury boy would be a great story if he can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple others I did want to ask you about. Uh, one scout the other day told me that he thinks Brandon Duheim is definitely a, form, a future NHLer. You want to talk about a kid that has opened eyes for me personally, and I know in his first 10 or so pro games, I even talked to Brad Bombardier about him the other day when Bomber was in town, and he said this is the Brandon Duheim I thought we'd kind of see. He just didn't know if he would see it year one. Mm-hmm. He's strong. He's big. He's faster than I probably ever gave him credit for, not knowing much about him. Because you look at his numbers in Providence, he didn't really pop off the stat sheet. But he's got this chip-and-chase game in the offensive zone. He has some really good hands, I've noticed, working on defensemen one-on-one, attacking on the rush. And he's been playing a fourth-line role. But when uh, Dumont and Mayhew were up in the NHL, he filled in sort of on a second-line role. So he can do it all. He's got a couple of goals. He's had a couple of fights. He plays a physical brand of hockey. And I would say for sure that he'll get games in the NHL at some point in his career. Great kid, too. I talked to him a while uh, for a little bit after you guys signed him or after the Wild signed him to, uh, to, a, to his contract and then an AHL deal. 
Um, and you know, he's from. I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. He's from yeah. Parkland, Florida, the next city. I spent a lot of time at the high school that he would have gone to, Parkland right. Douglas, where where unfortunately the tragedy happened there a couple of years ago. But just an absolutely great kid. And I just, I just, I you know, as as somebody that's covered the league forever, and you know, got my start covering the Florida Panthers. To me, is just such a cool thing to see now somebody that is from South Florida. That uh, and there's been more and more of these guys, the yeah. Jacob Chickens of the world, and people like that. That it just shows how this has become a global game. That when you have yeah. an expansion team in a warm weather climate, that all of a sudden you can get an Austin Matthews or a, yeah. you know or, crazy. or something like that. It's but I mean, cool. like you look at an- the Anaheim area, John Blum, yep. is a kid that played yeah. like roller hockey out here and ended up playing for the Wild organization. One of my a, favorite favorite players that I've ever covered was John Blum. Was a Nashville yep. first rounder. Yep. Um, yeah, just a great offensive defenseman he's playing in europe now uh, great so great social media game yeah though. he does so. and uh you know you mentioned florida we have a kyle ballman is a free agent signing on an ahl contract in iowa this year was with the king's farm team in ontario california last year the ontario rain he's fast as hell and uh he's from uh popka florida mm-hmm. popka, so we yeah. got two guys uh from florida playing for the iowa wild right now let me ask you about a couple more players yeah. and uh and i also want to tell uh, people a little bit about the athletic and something that cool that we're doing this week uh but connor doer i think a lot of wild fans are interested in uh comes out of the western uh hockey league uh this year 38 goals in Everett last year uh he hasn't gotten a lot of an opportunity so yeah. far and uh, you know it's hard for me to say really why that is but, again, it speaks to the Wild's depth. When he's been in, he's been effective. Again, good skater. I mean, I think that's the thing that's probably most exciting. If you're a Minnesota Wild fan, and I know a lot of the uh, the narrative amongst Wild fans, whether it's true or not, is the speed of this team, the Minnesota team, and where it, you know, maybe compared to some teams, and I think Bruce Boudreaux said this, they're just not as quick. Yeah, The prospects are coming uh, at some point, and Dewar and Duhame and, and some of these guys in the system, they can move. Um, and so you hope that they continue to pan out. And, uh, you know, talking Brad Bombardier recently, kid like Matt Boldy at BC, you've got these kids that are, they're coming. You mm-hmm. know, it might not be next year, but at some point, and they've got speed to their game, and that's crucial moving along. But Dewar, he just hasn't got much of a chance. He's only played in a few games. But everything I heard about him coming out ever, it's like his compete level, his work ethic. He's a tireless, you know, four-checker, all those things. He competes. I just think he's got a, a good chance once he gets more of an opportunity to make an impact. One prospect I can't wait to see is this Kovanov kid that's playing for Bubba Torchetti right now up in uh, yeah. Moncton. <laughs> just had a huge uh, week. Uh, he'll eventually be uh, in Iowa. Uh, let me just tell people about The Athletic, by the way. And if, again, if you haven't subscribed and you're listening to Apple and Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts, you can go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. But this week on The Athletic, we're d- uh, doing a deep dive into all things NHL culture. Um, our local and national hockey writers have great stories on everything from the league's biggest wine snobs, art collectors, and trash talkers to a look at diversity in hockey, the culture of NHL nicknames, and how many players manage to practice and play while nursing a hangover, plus much, much more. You ever do that, by the way? Play with a hangover? Yeah. <laughs> or broadcast with a hangover? Like, I feel like I might be today. A little <laughs> too much wine yesterday. Uh, but these stories uh, give you a rare insight into the world of hockey off the ice and are a must-read for NHL, any NHL fan. So, again, if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. If you are subscribed to The Athletic, look for that on your uh, NHL feed. Um, more questions for you, Joe. We're talking with Joe O'Donnell, the Iowa Wild writer. Uh, the one player that I think probably doesn't skate well enough, and that maybe that's the reason why he's in Allen right now, 
now is Dmitry Sokolov. Uh, he's somebody that was originally projected to be a first-round pick. There's had to be a reason why he's fallen to seventh. He looked actually to me in training camp to be in the best shape that I've seen him in, but yet he never really got into the lineup in Iowa and now finds himself in Allen. It is pretty much the jury out on him that he just is not the player that the Wild had hoped they were getting in terms of a seventh-round steal? I hope not, meaning I hope that book's not closed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still time. He had 16 goals last year in a very, very limited role, uh, playing 10 minutes a night or in the press box. That's tough to do at the American Hockey League level. The kid can shoot as well as anybody in the AHL, and I'd probably put his, you know, uh, you'd have to call it an NHL shot. He came into camp, I think, like you said, in probably some of the better shape he's been in in his life, especially since turning pro. But there are standards that the organization wants to hold him to, whether that be uh, body fat percentage, playing weight percentage, all those things. All the players have to do it. It's not mm-hmm. just a thing on Sokolov. And I don't know if he just didn't pass those grades or if he was close to it. But again, like it's just, I hate to sound like a broken record, but there's so much depth in Iowa right now that when he didn't start the season in the lineup mm-hmm. and the team had success, it's hard to get into a yeah. winning environment. So he went to Allen this past week, and I believe he had a goal – uh, in his Allen debut, his ECHL debut, that that was that that was put into place just so he could get games. Yeah, with the team hitting the road and having enough bodies, flew him to Allen for the weekend. He's back. He's practicing with Iowa as of today, uh, Tuesday. So he's back in the mix. Hopefully, gets a couple of games here in the in the next few just to keep him ready. I think he can develop. Uh, skating has never been a strong suit, as you alluded to, but I think he's talented enough. You you can't give up on a kid like that. Uh, a couple At least more, not on, yet. Uh, yeah. A couple more on players, and then I do want to ask you about about you, how you got to this point, uh, what your aspirations are. Um, but but I did want to ask, and I and maybe this is my uh, fault for not yet talking to Tom Curvers about this or Tim Army, but uh, but Ladnia, what happened there? Um, how do you wind up back in juniors? And it, it, I mean, again, not to put you on the spot, but it didn't seem like he was overly excited about that, just based on a couple of his social media postings that he feels like maybe he wasn't given a a true shot. Well, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Maybe sure the, I'm misconstruing no, it, too. Uh, I'm sure the organization, if that was the case, wouldn't have been pleased if they even noticed yep. it, to be honest. But, um, again, just a numbers game. He had junior eligibility. He could play more there, get a ton of ice time. It's either that or maybe do you go to the ECHL and, and let him grow his game there. He just wasn't going to crack into the top 12 with Iowa. Um, and, again, even with Johnson going down, even with call-ups to Dumont and Mayhew, he still wouldn't have gotten in. Uh, Cody McLeod is sitting out because the Wild in Iowa right now have too many veteran players and they have that veteran rule. And so when a veteran spot opens up, McLeod's going in. Mm-hmm. You know, And so when uh, when a non-vet spot, so to speak, opens up, Connor Dewar's going in. And now you're going to have Shaw and Johnson coming back. There's a lot of good players right now. Uh, and, and Lodney, unfortunately, I don't think was going to crack into that. He had a good showing in training camp from what I gathered. But I think... The organization, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but what I understand is his best path to developing was to dominate mm-hmm. in the OHL this year. Yeah, which absolutely makes sense, and sometimes kids don't realize right. that. He's still very, very young with a future ahead of him. And, and again, I could be misconstruing it. He had a couple of little subtle things on Instagram that yeah. just made you well, listen, think that kids he wasn't are, happy. Kids are always disappointed when yeah, they're yeah. told to go elsewhere that, you know, they want to be at the highest level. And so I don't blame him for wanting that, and it's, and it's probably It's funny, we're, do- we're doing this in his home, this yeah. backyard. His dad, yeah. I think, owns a rink right Front right around yeah. here. I always liked his skill set when I watched him at development camp and when he had a little taste of the AHL a couple years ago. Um, I think he can skate. I think he can shoot the puck. 
Uh, he's got a good-looking physique about him for being a young kid. So I think I think there's a lot of tools there. A huge narrative that's about to break out on this road trip is goaltending. Um, Devin Dubnik, uh, the Wilders starting a very, very important four-game trip tonight. Devin Dubnik was at least – we don't know if he's getting into the game, but uh, he's not going to start his 500th game. We'll know uh, when this podcast comes out how Alex did. But for him to not get uh, this game, number 500, to start an important road trip just tells you that Bruce Boudreaux isn't happy with him. The Wild have to come up with a succession plan for Dubnik and Stalock. They're both in their 30s. Doobie has one year left on his deal, same with Stalock. You see Matt Robson and Capo Kakinen all the time. Uh Somebody told me the other day that they think Robson is an absolute sure thing. I mean, what do you see so far from the two of them? They've both been really good. Kakinen's numbers haven't been as good as Robson's, but Kakinen has started 6-0, and and sometimes at the end of the day it's just about finding a way to win, right? That one more save than the other guy. Uh, and Capo seems to be in a really good place, whereas the end of last year I think emotionally he was spent. He didn't play at all in the playoffs. His numbers in the second half of the season, or the last third really of the season a year ago in the AHL, just weren't very good. He was as good as anybody in the league for a while last year at the AHL level, including an all-star nomination, a 222-minute shutout streak. Like, the kid was on fire. Somewhere in between is the real Capo Kakinen, and the Wild are getting it this year, which is a great sign. For Matt Robson, he's also been really good. A sub-two goals against average um, going into his last start in Rockford, which the Wild were leading 2-0 with two and a half minutes left on Saturday night. Ended up losing 3-2 in overtime. Not really Robson's fault. Just Rockford pulled their goalie and got two extra attacker goals and then won an OT. So it was a heartbreaker there for Iowa. Uh, but Robson's been really good. And at one point during the game Saturday night, so just a couple days ago, had a commercial break, you know, when it was 2 nothing, I uh, I took my headset off and Freddie Shabbat, wild development goaltending coach, was sitting next to me. I said, Freddie, he just looks so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And he goes, the kid is really talented. Yeah. And so if you're a Wild fan and you've been clamoring for this homegrown goaltender forever – you know, I'm, from, I'm a Philly guy, so the Philadelphia Flyers have been waiting for the Carter, the next, you know, the next Ron Hextall for 25 years, and now they get Carter Hart. And I, I get the sense Wild fans are hoping for that next homegrown product. Uh, in Kakinen and Robson, in some ways, you, you have a, a very good chance of one of those two guys panning out. And and Hunter Jones, I notice, is like 10-1-1 one, one yeah. to start his OHL season. So um, the future is bright. Uh, it just, again, might be a year or two as far as, at least in the goaltending ranks. But uh, Robson's been really good, and, and Kakinen, you know, he could come up and play games this year if there was an injury and they needed him for sure. Or poor performance. Uh, that could be a potential as well. Um, it is interesting uh, that you said that because we, we just saw that with Kemper. I mean, it takes a while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Wild had this guy, and they gave him ample opportunity. Sure. Um, and it, and it's not like – it's not like he left here and became a star right away. I mean, he had a he had to be a backup in L.A. Even Arizona did everything not to give him the job. They brought in Ranta, and all of a sudden now he is the guy that's taking the job. I'll give you another name, yeah. Anton Hudobin. Yeah, you know exactly. he was in the ECHL in Minnesota's system, so to speak, with the Texas Wildcatters once upon a time, and he was unbelievable down there. And then he came up when I was in Houston. He was there. And just couldn't figure it out. And it was more, in my opinion, just work ethic and the mental part of the game. And a little undersized, but a young, you know, Russian kid uh, from Kazakhstan. And and just, uh, I just don't know that he got it right away. Mm-hmm. And now you look at him. Yeah. And he's been a number one. He's been a 1A. He's been a number two. And he's been in the NHL for like 10 years. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Straight from the Source. And thanks to Joe O'Donnell for joining. 
Just a reminder, this is an abbreviated version of the podcast. To hear the entire version and to subscribe to our awesome site, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. 